Welcome to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Dan and Paul are the owners of one of the largest powerlifting gyms in the world, Ruchi's Gym, and are experienced powerlifting coaches. Join them as they discuss and debate all things powerlifting and strength training with some fun stuff thrown in. For more information, visit ruchisgym.com. Good morning, everyone. Dan Rucci here, tuning in with my brother Paul today. We are very honoured to have Paul join us today. He hasn't been available for the last couple of podcasts, and I've had to go them alone, but it's great to have Paul here today. So today, we are going to be talking about the hot topic of lifter burnout, Paul. First of all, the honour is mine, um, Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a while, so I'm really keen to get stuck into this um, this topic, which we had a lot of engagement as well on social media. Um, we've called it lifter burnout, but let's talk about it in the more general sense of athlete burnout. Yeah, sure. Right? So give me, give, give me a bit of runway here and let's just first discuss, you know, what are we gonna actually talk about? So, you know, we should probably first define what athlete burnout is. Mm-hmm. And I've got some really good um, descriptions of, you know, what athlete burnout is from, sure. from a very scientific approach, which hit is really us. interesting. Let's hit, let's hear it. First of all, we're going to do that, and then we're going to look at, um, you know, how do we observe athlete burnout? What are the signs? All right? Yep. And, you know, we could probably think of a dozen different things that we've seen in our own experiences coaching people in the gym, and also, obviously, with powerlifting athletes. Before you start, um, Paulie, mm-hmm. what I will say is I did put up a post on my personal social media, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Basically, I guess what triggered me is I've got... Um, lifters at the moment who, who are starting who sort of suffer with this phenomenon of athlete burnout yep. and obviously I'm trying to mentor them through the issue I guess if you want to call it an issue so it can be quite difficult and I just wanted to like put a person on social media saying that you know it's a normal thing that lifters or athletes feel burnout but what people need to do is take a sort of step back and get to back to the reasons why they started lifting, for example, and sort of find the love and the passion for it and not yeah. put so much pressure on themselves. I think when we start talking about sort of how to combat athlete burnout, we're going to start talking about all these things. Yeah. Like taking time off and like, yeah. you know, all those... My point was we actually had heaps of engagement um, yeah. with people like giving their feedback or even saying, you know, burnout is real, stuff like that. So it's actually quite common. Perhaps with gym lockdowns and the unavailability of competitions... Perhaps it's actually been a contributing, like a very specific contributing factor in the past. That few years. might be more lift of boredom than burnout. But that can also <laughs> boredom can also contribute to sure. burnout too. Sure. Um, burnout doesn't mean overtraining. I mean, it does mean it can mean a physical overtraining, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's just a physical thing, right? They're obviously no. cognitive. Well, to be there. honest, I was looking at it at the perspective of burnout. You know, for example, you get lifters who string together three or four comps and then they just say, I've just had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to take a year off, you yeah. know, like burnout, yeah. where they kind of lose direction a little bit. And we kind of touched on progression in the sport a few podcasts back. It, yeah. I believe they're kind of related because, anyway, let's get to that yeah, down yeah. the track. Let's um, yeah. let's go back to you. So anyway, after we talk about, you know, the observations, you know, how do we identify this, this problem, um, we look at... We're going to talk about the factors con- contributing to athlete burnout, which you've already obviously brought up. Yeah, a few a few factors there. Um, relating very much the, to the physical side of being an athlete, and then finally, sort of how do we combat athlete burnout? You know, what methods can coaches use to sort of bring their lifters or their athletes in general, you know, sort of back on track 
um, you know, and performing at their best, right? Yeah. Um, so first of all, let's talk about what is athlete burnout. And I've got a little excerpt here from a, a, a journal that I, I, I did read, um, and I thought it really encapsulated athlete burnout really well, because um, it talks about, you know, both physical and emotional um, yeah. type, you know, type, types of um, issues within athlete burnout. So let, allow me to paraphrase. The core element in athlete burnout is physical and emotional exhaustion characterized by fatigue associated with training and competitions. So when you talked about, you know, comp after comp, there's some yeah. sort of like f- physical but also emotional fatigue associated with that. Yeah. The second dimension in athlete burnout is focusing on the feeling of being unable to reach one's goals and succeed with training and competitions, defined as reduced sense of accomplishment. Yeah. So, you know, obviously they're... This is yeah. when they have self-doubt, right? The third dimension, sport devaluation, is characterized by loss of interest and care for sports, or sport, obviously, and reduced quality in athletes' work. And so I think the, those sort of three um, three areas that I just touched upon really encapsulates mm. what athlete burnout is. And to be honest, we've got some really good examples of all of those types of burnout. Exactly. And we've obviously been doing this for a long time, so we've seen quite a lot, but like, they're, yeah, they're real. Yeah. They're when, real. We, when, when people talk about athlete burnout, you know, I think it can be pigeonholed into, oh, it's just getting boring, so I want to try something else. Yeah. But there are other, so many other factors and facets of athlete burnout that also need to be taken into consideration. It's let, funny. Also, in, let's say, in quotes, misdiagnosed as well, you know. Yeah, of you course. Know I mean? But it was funny that you mentioned the whole... Um, burnout associated with under not performing yeah under, or, under accomplishment right? you know so having an expectation mm. and not being able to achieve that yeah expectation can lead to burnout because well let's be real when you're not hitting targets it's very very demotivating right you start to question exactly. what you're doing and why are you dedicating all this time to something when you're not achieving the things you want exactly but I think some of that can go you know maybe some of that has to be put back back on, I, I guess, coach and lifter relationship when it comes down to setting targets and having and setting expectations as well. Exactly. So anyway, you know what it's like, man. You can you can have a sit down with a client and you can have a conversation about what the expectations are for the next one week, four months, etc. But you know, it's still in their head. For the most part, lifters have an idea of what they want to achieve, which is great. Yeah. Um, but you know, then you get the pessimists and you get the optimists and you get the realists, right? So yeah, you know, for sure. Um, when you got the you know the, the optimists, you know, unfortunately, mostly they under under hit their sort of their targets. Um, and that's and that's I suppose could contribute to them. Let's just say being fed up. You know, they're underperforming. Yeah. Well, to them, they're underperforming. Correct. They might correct. actually perform, be performing quite well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've got a few. I've got a few yeah. boys like that. You know, oh <laughs> damn! I only put twenty kilos on my bench this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two and a half kilos a year. Obviously, depending on what level you're at. Um, and that's a good um, something that we should talk about as well. Is it also depends on your developmental level. Where yeah. exactly in the in the skill spectrum? Are you, you know, in the mm-hmm. sport, are you a highly skilled and experienced person in sport or are you someone starting out new? Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it all plays into effect as well. Okay, so now that we kind of know what athlete burnout actually is, sort of what are the signs? What are coaches experiencing, you know, when they're working with their, their lifters or their athletes? Um, 
And so I've got a few points here. So one one of them is sort of an athlete's willingness to train, mm-hmm. right? So you know when you can when you see that sort of your lifters training session times are dropping off, their intensities are dropping off, their skipping sessions. These are all the sorts of things we're talking about. Their right? compliance rates are dropping off. Yeah. Drop, dropping off. Now one thing I think we do well is we have you know how we have that wellness questionnaire. Mm-hmm. You know wellness scores start to drop off, right? You know true. As, yeah, things like that. And that that obviously. Um, is something that's reported by the by the athlete, but you know you can definitely see a drop off on certain wellness characteristics or KPIs if you like, um, together with compliance of training and you know and performance. And those two things, um, yeah, are obvious are an obvious telltale sign. A lifter's mood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they positive about training? Are they positive about um, entering meets? Yeah, things like that. Obviously, you know, if someone's negative and you know, a bit of a negative Nancy type thing. Yeah, let's be positive Pete's. Yeah, let's be positive positive Pete's. Never heard that. Um, suffering from some kind of like mental fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, um, concentration in training and those types of things. Yeah, focus, concentration. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, also, you know, in a highly skilled sport, um, focus is obviously very important in execution. Big so time. if someone starts, say, for example, being sloppy in training, because you know they're just not able to, to focus on the key skills, the key task, then that could be a a, um, yeah. a sign too. Um, obviously, there are ways to combat these things, which we'll talk about. Uh, and the, the last point I've got here is you know sort of a lifter's general staleness in the way they approach the sport or the process. Um, so, for example, maybe when someone started in a sport, whether it's powerlifting or not, their level of participation in volunteering. Mm-hmm. is really high then after a while you know they're not on platform volunteering anymore maybe they're just fed up you know maybe they're just you know it's a bit stale for them type yeah thing, you know yeah um and also stale with the process the Look, training actually, process we actually do stuff. find that with even the people that and clients and lifters that we've worked yeah. with you know you have someone new come into the gym that you know they're in that our new development squad and you can see they're really keen they're putting in max you know max applying F- themselves yeah, yeah. so much yeah. And then they're so enthusiastic about the sport. You see them on the platform, volunteering, sporting and loading. Mm-hmm. And what we find is people that sort of start to, I guess, pull back from the volunteering and helping out and getting involved, they're the ones that, to be honest, they're the ones that are probably suffering from a little bit of lifter mm-hmm. um, uh, fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Boredom, yeah. basically. Boredom, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when you're really passionate and love something, you tend to, you tend to give back. You know? Yeah, you do, you do. And, um, it's very noticeable, actually. Yeah, it is for sure. And we get it. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. We understand. And one thing that I will say, um, we call this we know we call this episode lifter fatigue or athlete fatigue. But don't forget, coaches can also suffer coaching fatigue. Yeah. It actually applies... Burnout, to, bro. To coaches Lifter well. burnout. Burnout. Sorry, I meant burnout. It applies to coaches too, right? Um, yeah, sure. And so, you know, as coaches, we obviously want to stay fresh and we want to stay on top of, you know, you know the current methods that are working really well in the industry um yeah so i just want to put that out there that it's a coach and athlete phenomenon it's not just yeah absolutely athletes. absolutely okay let's talk about some of the contributing factors um, so we have the three heavy hitters we have uh training loads so the loads in training can have negative and positive effects um, on, an, on obviously an athlete's psyche, their cognitive mm-hmm. um, side, which can then lead to, to burnout, positive and negative effects, depending on what's going on. So, for example, if 
you know, you've heard it, um, you know, when you give a, a, an athlete lots of training load and they feel like they're really smashing it, like they've never done these sorts of loads before in training, but they're really hitting it hard, that has a positive, um, you know, a positive stress, yeah. um, you know, um, position on the athlete, if you like, or effect on the athlete. And that can lead to a negative overall effect on burnout. Yeah. You know what I mean? It can improve. Um, now, conversely, too much training load, you know, obviously people not hitting numbers in training, they're yeah. not hitting their volume targets, maybe they're underperforming because they're doing too, you know, overtraining, your physical overtraining. Yeah. That obviously leads to a negative impact and then they, become, then they start underperforming and that's when you have, obviously, a contribution to lift the burnout or athlete burnout. Yeah. Right. So that's training load. Training load can have also a positive reinforcement on perceived performance. Like mm-hmm. I say, if they're hitting their targets in training, then obviously there's a um, a perception that there's an increase in performance, and that that, that can increase that yeah. can have a positive increase Absolutely. on the outlook. Right. I mean, we have that with our clients because we use yeah. a plan difficulty as yeah. part of our, yeah. our, our I guess our planning style as well. And so when lifters outperform their plan difficulties, it's a really good indication exactly. of how they're tracking. I actually think, and we talk about this a lot. Um, when we program for someone volumes intensities the plan is that they're always hitting those numbers right yeah we don't we don't want the no fail failing failing in training right mm-hmm. failing in training leads to negative impacts on stress and then negative impacts on burnout big time and that you know, that's obviously something you want to avoid with an athlete because you want them performing maximally emotionally and physically so you want you want a really good overall yeah. positive impact Agreed. on their, their everything right yeah the other thing we're talking about now is uh, illness or injury. Um, obviously, excessive training loads can lead to um, can lead to injury and also illness as well. And so, excessive illness and injury can have negative impacts on um, you know lifters' psyche, which can then contribute to burnout. And uh, even from personal experience, you know, after having both illness and injury, and I think we can all um, we can definitely. We've definitely all had, you know, time in times in our um, athletes' lives where we've yeah. had, you know, we've been sick, so we've had time of training, or we've been, we've had an injury, we've we've had time of training, or there's been a period of rehabilitation time and so on. That can definitely cause concern and worry, which can then obviously lead to negative. Yeah, you know, I agree, and we've all had that, right? You know, we've you know, all had that. It's you know, it's it, it leads to worry and concern, which leads to self doubt, which leads to fuck, I'm over this. Yeah, and look, you know, oh, maybe burnout in that situation isn't the right word. Um, it kind of is a form of burnout. It is. That's what I'm saying. Like, we think when when we talk about burnout, people are thinking about the physical effect of say overtraining or yeah. doing too many comps in a row. But it's more than that. It is. I it's agree. more than that. You know, in order to perform at an optimum at your best, you need to have your mental yeah. approach and the physical. Yeah, working yeah. together. Emotionally and physically, yeah. it has to be in tune. The yin and the yang. You have to be in tune to be able to perform optimally, right? Yeah. And we talk about this when we talk about, you know, lift the confidence, lift the motivation, all those types of things. Yeah. Positive reinforcement in training. Um, these all lead to a positive experience and a positive performance on the platform. And that that reinforce that positive reinforcing loop that keeps that motivation yeah. and that keeps them determined and exactly. keeps them hungry. You know. Yeah. You know when someone's um, emotionally, you know, positive because they're like, when's the next comp? Yeah. You know, they want to do the next comp. And then you know the opposite when they're like, you know what, I'm just going to have a break. You know, they feel like they need a break, which is fine too because, you know, everyone gets into that. Yeah, and you normally, f- I find that with clients, you know, if someone's had a fantastic meet, yeah. hit PBs, oh, done really They want to well, do it again. The next day, they're already like looking at the next comp. Yeah. And then you have lifters who 
haven't performed as well as what they wanted to or maybe didn't have the best day on the platform. Exactly. And they tend to be pulled back a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Which brings us to our next factor, perceived performance or not in not even perceived performance, actual um, event performance. Yeah. Right? So obviously if a person has a negative perception about how they're going to perform on a platform, that has a negative impact on their, you know, their stress levels. And that obviously leads to a very negative platform or can or may lead to a negative platform performance and may in the long run also lead to um, athlete burnout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so these are the main, the, the three factors in this hypothesis model um, that sort of combine and lead to athlete burnout. Which is, and we've touched upon all these different things. I think this sort of puts it, everything in a bucket. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, it's actually good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all I have in terms of contributing factors. Um, yeah. What examples do we have, I guess, from our own clients of each of these factors? And maybe we can discuss tools or ways in which we help the client, I guess, dig themselves out of that hole. That's fine. Why don't we just take a step forward before we take the step back? So let's talk about how do you combat athlete burnout and then let's maybe combine the two. Mm-hmm. An example, and then how do we maybe combat that? Right? Yeah. So, how do you, how does one combat athlete burnout? Right. There's a, there's obviously a few ways you can do it. Obviously, having a total break or some time away. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean you just walk away from a sport um, or training. Mm-hmm. It just might mean you know you're taking a prolonged period of time off. Um, you know to you know recharge the batteries. Yeah. Type thing, or it may be as simple as changing someone's training method. You know, take someone from four or five days, drop back to even two or three, you know, get them fresh again, you know, changing the exercise selection, you know, and like you said, I think uh, maybe in this podcast at the beginning, you know, taking someone back to the reasons they started mm-hmm. in the gym in the first place, Correct. right? Yeah. That's actually something that has resonated a lot with my own clients. My client base has been competing for a long time. Yeah. So now with many of my athletes, we're get, I'm getting to a point where they do need a break. You know what yeah. I mean? Because of this, I'm know, having the same. This burnout yeah. principle. Yeah. Um, and so for some, literally just we've stopped. I'll use inverted, you know, commas, um, powerlifting, and we've gone back to real basic strength training. You know, choosing exercises where they really enjoy, and just getting their love back for training. Yeah. You know, not worrying about powerlifting. I agree. Now the the great thing is they're not getting weaker. No. Now you know they're still progressing. They're just we're just doing it in a different way. Yeah, and that's all it is. Yeah, um, without then, all the pressure of competition, without, without the added pressure of you know performance pressure and training, performance pressure and that, and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, over, total break, some time away. Yeah. A change in environment. Yeah. Right. So you know that might mean you know you probably don't want me to say, it, but changing gyms, changing facilities, changing yeah, yeah, coaches, um, training at home for a while, tra- training at home yeah. for a while, training at different times. Train at different Around times. a different crew. Yeah. There's many ways. Yeah, yeah. If you're used to training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, train Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and you probably find you're around a different group of people, or maybe a new training partner, a new group of a new group to train with, that type of thing. Yeah. And these are the kind of things we're talking about with changing changing. I guess, you know, you're trying to find a catalyst that helps I guess dig yourself out of the hole. Yeah, I think like you, you know, you're trying to 
you know, trying to find something new because what you had before is becoming now a bit mundane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And look, we all need that. What do they say? You know, like, take a holiday, take yeah. a break, you know what I mean? Yeah, we all need a break. Change is as good as a holiday, they say, right? So, yeah. and this is the, sort of what this is encapsulating, you know, changing the environment. In some respect, yeah. In some respect. Um, and the third one is a modification in training, which we have already talked about. Um, that might be going from very powerlifting specific focus to say more of a hypertrophy slash bodybuilding or CrossFit or cardio or whatever, whatever just something completely be. different. Yeah, modality, changing the changing modality. modality. It doesn't mean stop training. No, because I think that would actually be worse. Um, yes. I think you need to continue being active because I'm more for pr- promoting a healthy lifestyle. So remain active. Modification in training might be from going from powerlifting training to taking up mountain bike riding, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. or swimming, or pick yeah. a pick a pick, pick a thing people like surfing or whatever. Um, it may not, it may not even be that far away from powerlifting. Maybe I started some, ballet. <laughs> maybe maybe people go from powerlifting to bodybuilding. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you know, it's. Right, Wright's doing it at the moment. Yeah, you know yeah. he's about to get on the stage, IFBB stage. You know, yeah, well, you I did it. And you did. It. You know, right. you know, you guys yeah. needed a break from powerlifting for whatever reason, and then it, it helps when you change your focus a little bit. It helps again re-energize those batteries, and exactly. then you can come back to powerlifting or the sport that you, you know, I guess, your primary sport at a later time when you're ready to. Yeah, I think people need to also understand is um, lifter burnout or athlete burnout is not doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like it's it's okay to feel that these are feelings that are normal. It, it happens, happens to all of us. It happens to the majority of people after some time. And also, this is not limited to training or to sports. No, of course not. People get sick and tired of their jobs. Yeah, it happens in in all facets of life. You know what I mean? Partners? Uh, let's not go there. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys. Welcome to Dan and Paul's relationship uh, yeah, advice yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's a pillow talk. <laughs> but no, hey, I mean, relationship burnout is probably a thing. I'm not a relationship expert. Um, I've. I don't know, um, man. You've done pretty well for yourself. You yeah, married your high school sweetheart. N equals one, bro. So it doesn't make me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, this is not limited. What I mean is, you know, to lifting or to of training. Of course, yeah. Sports. Burnout is, applies yeah. to many yeah. facets of Obviously, life. the factors contributing to those different <laughs> yeah, of course. types of burnouts would be different. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't have training load for relationship burnout. Then. Well, you oh, could. You could. You could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's, oh, Jesus Christ. This is getting a little bit... Okay. Yeah. Too hot to Okay, handle. so... Um, we both experience this maybe personally, but definitely through our clients. Yeah. Maybe give me an example of where you've had a client exhibiting athlete burnout and what you did to sort of help combat. Yeah, burnout. sure. Over the years, I've had many examples of this. There's been cases when, for example, and obviously I'm not going to mention names. No. One of my clients. They're all very common. So has, yeah. These are common things. Mm. And those of you listening might resonate with some of these examples as well. So one of my clients has literally been competing for a few years and strung together, you know, two to four comps a year mm-hmm. for the last three years, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's at a point now where they need... Did you a, say he? No. Okay. They, mate. Oh, I was going to say, we're just trying to nail it down. They basically need a break from competing. Yep. So it has taken... I'm going to guess it's probably going to, by the time we get that person back to the platform, it will have probably been a year since they've competed. 
they just needed some time off from actual competing and just yeah, yeah, yeah. get back to the grassroots of why they started lifting. Yep. And that person is still training. We've modified the training slightly, but now we're starting to ramp up mm. um, some stuff as that person will be competing later on in the year. That's an example. So we're basically just giving that person some time off and modified yeah. the training. All right? Yeah. Then I've also had clients who may suffer with mental health related stuff. Yeah. And so that's a big contributing factor. Um, and a lot of the times I find, um, I guess it's different in a way. People, some of my clients in the past have huge expectations on themselves. Mm-hmm. Massive. And, you know, they have one bad training session and they're quitting. They're so, done. So they're going to pull out of the comp, right? Yeah. And they just get really, really down about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's quite acute stuff. Yeah. It's not like an accumulation of many things. It's like very acute. You know, one bad session, I'm done, right? It's very high time frame thinking too, right? You know, but that's in very indicative of someone who probably suffers with some mental health stuff, you know? Um, again, I'm not, not going to say I'm an expert on mental health related issues, but just from my experience, that's what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And what I do um, with clients like that is I just have a good chat to them and get them to understand that one bad training session doesn't mean you're a bad lifter. It doesn't mean you're not trying to perform on the day. Exactly. Um, and just the next training session, try and get in there and just enjoy it for what it is. It's just a training session. Forget about what it leads to for a second and just understand that you've chosen to be in the gym because you love to train. Mm-hmm. And if you can get back to that place where you love being in the gym training, regardless of, I guess, what the end result is, it does help a lot and it helps take the pressure off them. Mm-hmm. And that particular person now is back in the gym training and starting to feel better, you know. So, look, there's a few different ways you can handle this. Obviously, there's degrees of burnout. Uh, in some cases, like, they just need time off completely. Of course. You know? And in some cases, you can work through it with the client, with the yeah, modified training. Well, yeah, there's things that you can do. I, I guess they're the main two examples of um, burnout that I find. Obviously, there's variations um, on that. So, you know, the first one is someone's been competing for a long time quite with high frequency and they just need some time off Uh, and the other one is you know just having huge expectations on themselves Mm -hmm. and then when they have a bad training session that doesn't meet an expectation um, it kind of derails them Um, and I guess the other one which I just thought about which has left my mind as an example um, yes so when you've got for example and we talk about this in, in, you know, specifically about powerlifting and that two to three year mark is when lifters either, you know, they drop off completely. Yeah. Um, We've seen this or, actually for a decade. Yeah. yeah. So what happens there, I find is you work with someone new, their new development, they progress quite rapidly over that two to three year period because they're new. And then the gains start to taper off, right? They start to plateau. And so then what happens is they enter a comp and they underperform, right? And most likely just you to having a high expectation of themselves because they've seen this huge progress over the last two or three years. And so all that's happened there. I like steady growth. Me too. Um, but unfortunately, not, you know, new lifters have I get a great growth. You can't stop that. No, right? no, I get You're it. You're not going to slow but, their but growth. But also, there's definitely something to say in terms of um, aligning a lifter to be a sort of low time preference as opposed to high time preference. Yeah. What I mean by that is... If you have one bad training session, that's very high time preference thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, think think not next week, 
think not in six months think in two three two years four years five years six ten years. years yeah yeah. yeah, so anyway, what I was trying to say is you know, you have that lifter who's sort of three years in, um, every comp they've done in the past, they've hit awesome PBs, mm. they do a comp sort of three years down the track and they underperform yeah. or they don't hit PBs. And mm. all that's really happened there is, to be honest, is they've set a huge expectation on themselves because of what's happened in the past. Unfortunately, the past doesn't equal the future in this sense because you're never going to continue to get the same amount of growth, right? Mm. And in some cases... You go backwards for various reasons, right? Especially as you get elite, you know. Yeah. It's very difficult to maintain a high level of performance. So, and then what happens is when they have that bad comp, they, in effect, lose their shit, the dummy spirit, and they take a step back, you know? So, that's sort of another situation that I find mm-hmm. um, crops up as well. And again, I just have the same conversation. I try to explain to the people that, you know, that first two to three years of your development are going to be quite accelerative they're going to it's going to be quite significant growth and then obviously the stronger you get you have to understand and accept that that growth will start to um, that rate of growth that rate of change is going to start to diminish because well let's be real it does we all know that they just have to understand that's going to happen so what happens is after that three-year period they have a bad comp or something happens they're in a very similar fashion Mm -hmm. and they start to question the time that they're dedicating to the sport Exactly. Because their return on investment is less. Yes. Right? And in fact, in order to get better, you've actually got to do more. Or work. almost invest more. Invest more time and work, right? So you start. they start, they start to go through this, I guess, argument in their head about, oh, it is, is it worth continuing on because I'm not a, going to get the same rate of change or rate of growth as I have in the last two years. It's 100% a battle. It's a battle. You know, so, and some lifters can get through that battle and continue on. Um, but unfortunately, we find that a lot of lifters drop off. I think if you go back, say, five years mm. and look at one of our competitions, the people in those competitions will be vastly different. Oh, there will yeah, only be maybe sure. 10 to 20% that would be would uh, be the same. Yeah. And that's just due to the, that drop-off rate, that natural attrition rate, because of that, that mm. conundrum, basically. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're sort of the three main things that I find. Yeah. It's interesting because as a coach, you want to, you know, you want to do everything in your power to, to improve your client's performance and, you know, all that, you know, as quickly as possible. Of course. You know, that's, that's great. That's great news, right? But it also has, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because if you push too hard for that, say, in that two-year period, that two or three-year period, if you push too hard, you know, that can lead to a bit of a tumble, you know, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, is it? Or should coaches be taking a more sustainable approach? Look, obviously, you need to have a, a good combination between sustainability and keeping the client progressing at a rate that they're happy with. Mm. You know, I mean, no, I don't believe any coach holds people back. I mean, that we don't we don't hold no. people back, right? I think it's just about setting the expectation and getting them to understand yeah. that you know what it's probably going think, to look I like. My, if they, let's talk about a red line, for example, like in a car when you're redlining a car, probably a really good measure would be. If you're progressing an athlete at a rate that they're not suffering from um, overtraining or injury, that's probably a good rate to be going at. Yeah, I agree. You know of course. I mean? Yeah. As soon as you put your foot on the pedal and you start to get, um, you know, con- you know, continuous injuries and or even illnesses, mm-hmm. that's obviously you know you need to take a step back. Yeah. You know what I mean. 
Um, yeah, obviously, if we're putting someone under high stress and they've got other stresses exactly. in their life that are contributing to their yeah. filling up their bucket, yeah. your you know your immune system does drop off, and yeah. you find that you you're more susceptible yeah. to getting just shit. Well, like what I mean is, there's definitely a really, a good pace to go at. Yeah, absolutely. Of like you know, optimum. driving something. There is definitely an optimum yeah. rate of progression. Yeah. Now, how do you determine that? Well, I mean, you can obviously look at um, you know overtraining. Um, Factors, you can look at overtraining factors. Um, and this can happen, you know, session to session, week to week, month to month, yeah. comp to comp. Uh, and if you can, if you can, you know, find those early, if you can pick those things up early, you can obviously put a plan in action to mitigate. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way we do that is we have a weekly stress and recovery survey, which yeah. acts as um, a, wellness, uh, a wellness survey at the end of the week. So yeah. we get an idea of the current, I guess, current state of wellness but also acts as a readiness survey for the following week's training so we can mark we can monitor 10 the 10 markers that we monitor and then if there's anything major that's going on there we can start asking questions and then modify training if we need to i'll be honest but even from my, my, my coaching perspective the biggest the best information i get from clients is a training performance yeah right uh b uh, their mood you know towards training towards competing and c just the things they say Right. Yeah. So the things absolutely. they say are a real, you know, you can take away a lot just by the things that they say. Yeah. Um, in but to training performance. The comps. survey, for example, backs up the, the things that are happening in the training as well. So if I see someone's training performance isn't as planned, normally that's reflected in the scoring of their wellness survey. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I get well. That's a great. It's a great thing to have. I find I get more value from watching someone's video, watching their train, monitoring their training performance. Mm-hmm. You know, are they hitting their um, planned RPEs, mm-hmm. or you know, are they overcooking their planned RPEs? What are their responses when you give them feedback? What are their responses when they submit a training video? Mm-hmm. What are they, How do they talk about training? How do they talk about competing? Mm-hmm. Are they asking you off? You know, are they asking you, hey man, like the website's not updated yet, Can, when's the next comp? That's obviously a really yeah, positive yeah, yeah. thing to ask for, right? Yeah. So I find that it's a, yeah, it's just that community, yeah, that's what I find. And that just goes just down to communication, yeah. you know, being, uh, communicating really well with the client. Yeah. And obviously them communicating well with the coach. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we're not mind readers. The more information you give your coach, within reason. It's funny though, some of my clients, um, and this is probably for everyone, say very little. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Uh, and they obviously have both. Not so, not to say that some clients say too much, but they're probably, you know, a bit more liberal with their communication as other people, they hold, not that they hold back, but, you know. Yeah, they so say They're not as communicative, right? Yeah. So um, you kind of have to, as a, as a coach, you have to be empathetic to the different styles of communication and you have to be able yeah, to read course. people and man, all that type absolutely, of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I guess what we wanted everyone to sort of take away from today's podcast was that uh, lifter um, burnout is very real. It's very normal and everyone's probably going to experience it at some point if you're not already are. When we say normal, it's, it's not like a, it's not a disease. No, it's not like, no, but um, it's, it's something you do want to avoid. It's not like you go into a sport and your expectation is to eventually get burnout. No, no, of course not. But if you do get burnout, it's something that, is experienced by many people. Is what I'm Correct. Saying. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's, I don't want to make it sound like you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it's some don't... sort of illness or something. You know, it's not. 
Um, yeah, of course. It, it's normal in the sense that many people experience this. So don't yeah. think that you're the only person. There's safety numbers. And again, it's something that you can work through for sure. And also, don't avoid trying something new because you don't want to get burnt out. You know what I mean? Like, don't use it as a barrier is what I'm saying. Don't dial back your training just in case you get lift or burn out. Oh, like, yeah, if you feel no. good and you're positive, you're going to hit those numbers. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't be apprehensive is what I mean. Just And if you are struggling with burnout or fatigue and need some help, make sure, um, yeah, feel free to reach out to you us. Reach out. You reach out to your coaches. Yeah. Reach out to your coaches, whoever it is, or feel free to reach out to Paul and I, especially if you're one of our clients or if you're not one of our clients and just, um, yeah, want to have a bit of a chat. Obviously, we're very keen to chat to new people and, and obviously onboard our new lifters to our team as well. So, you know, um, yeah, just get in touch. Maybe we can help you get through a rough patch and get you back to the platform performing at your best. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Look, I think that pretty much wraps up the topic of uh, lifter... Burnout. Burnout. I keep thinking fatigue. fatigue. Lifter burnout. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, it's something that is definitely um, a hot topic. Actually, one thing that did come up in that thread from... Actually, I think it was Luke Polly from over mm-hmm. east. He said um, he had a lifter... A young kid who was like, he was young, like 19 or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what did he say? He said that he didn't hit his numbers or something on the platform and he started having a little bit of a soup to look because powerlifting was his whole life and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Luke was like, you know, just pulled him aside and said, yeah, take you know, easy, right? take a step back. You're 19. You've done two comps. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, relax. Yeah, like, yeah, go chill. back. Yeah, chill out. Relax. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, don't make powerlifting your whole life. No. You know, it obviously definitely dedicate yourself to either if it's the sport you're in, or just dedicate yourself to your strength training or training in general. That's fantastic. But you can you're allowed to be more than just the lifting. You know. Of course. So don't put too much pressure on yourself um, to hit numbers and get on the platform. And you know, there can only be one gold medal winner. There can only be one person who holds the world record, you know? You just gotta keep doing the best you can, keep adding kilos to the bar and improving your lifts in terms of technical, um, because people, you know, I love seeing technically sound lifts, but also we like mm. seeing big heavy lifts, right? And when you combine the two together, you get magic, you know, magic happens. You know, we look at some of the best lifters in the world and they make it look so easy. And you're like, how the fuck did he do that? Because it's technically flawless, right? Mm. Um, whereas on the other hand, sometimes you see someone who's not that technical um, and move, you know, a substandard amount of weight and it looks doesn't look great at all, right? Um, you know, so try and be highly technical and the more technical you are, the better your result's going to be. Anyway, that's a bit of a divergence off the topic. But <laughs> no, <laughs> My point was Luke topic. had this conversation with this young kid and just told him to like, take a step back, chill out. You've done two comps, you're 19 years old and you've got a massive... Mm you got a, you know, potentially a big career ahead of you. Exactly what I was talking about, time preferences. Yeah. He's, he's very high time preference. He's, he's worried about the comp, that he, his second comp. Look, he's you know, got like potentially 20, 20 to 30 years of powerlifting if he wants. To. I blame social media, man. Mm. Everyone wants it now, bro. Yeah. Everyone wants the Instagram post, you know, with their PBs and being, you know, like it's just, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. needs to just chill out for a second. Yeah. And go back to the place. Um, you know, in their heart, why they started lifting and why they started training in the first place. And if you can do that, you know, I've had to do that myself. You know, I've had, yeah, my yeah. last real competition was in 2017. It's in June, it'll be five years. I've done a couple of comps since then, but they're not at my best. Yeah. You know, um, it's been almost five years. So I, I've, and in that five years, 
And the, one of the reasons I kind of dropped off was because I got a hip injury and then I had a couple other things going on. It's been a mental challenge for myself to just get back to training and just go back to doing what I love doing. And not I'm not too focused on the numbers at the moment. Mm-hmm. I just want to train and I'm enjoying training. And I think everyone sort of needs to get to that point. Because I think once you get to that point, that's when the magic happens. Mm. You know, I take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all we got. Have a great day. Um, speak to you all later. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Ruchi Strengthcast. Be sure to subscribe to join us on the journey and for more information, visit ruchisgym.com.